guys for being a part of this. We say it all the time. But the truth is, the same God that's in this room is the same God that's in your room with you as well. He's, he's there to move. He's not, he's not just there for you to engage with a, a screen. He's there for you to actually engage with him. He's a personal God. And so glad that we get the chance to be together this morning. You know, we talk about this truth all the time, but the cross changes everything. The cross is the transformational moment of history. All history looked forward to it and has been changed by it. It, it, it is the, the moment of transformation in life. Not just in time, but in us. And this, this cross that is above our heads, it's, it's not just a symbol hanging from the ceiling of an event that happened 2,000 years ago. It's a reminder that Jesus Christ died for us conquered death and hell, rose again, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and there is nothing, I repeat, nothing in all the world that can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. What an amazing God we serve. I remember I was, I was thinking about this just a, uh, last week when um, it was snowing, but I remember I was preaching in Ghana many years ago, and I was preaching about how the cross of Jesus, how the blood of Jesus is powerful, how it can overcome anything, how it transforms us and changes us. And then I said, and, and the blood of Jesus washes us white as snow. And my translator stopped and looked at me. And I was like, snow. And he was like, we don't have a word for snow. And I, I was reminded that it doesn't matter whether I can articulate it correctly or not. That the blood of Jesus is powerful. That the blood of Jesus is powerful. The blood of Jesus washes me white as snow. It doesn't matter whether I can say it right theologically. It doesn't matter whether I have the right liturgical words. What I know is this. The blood of Jesus works. Because he poured out his blood for you and me. And that's why we're here today. We're going to worship in just a moment with a song that says, God, turn it around. My God can turn anything around in our lives. If he could change us from going to hell to going to heaven, from being a sinner, come on somebody, to being a saint, from being a child of darkness to becoming a child of light, if my God can turn that around, there's not one circumstance or situation my God can't turn around in your life today. Not one. Not one, not one, not one. So I want to encourage you as you, we begin to worship this, that you lift up your voices, lift up your hearts, but more than that, lift up your faith. Say, God, I trust you. Father, today we trust you. Whether we are in this room or we are watching and worshiping online today, Lord God, we trust you. You're the King of kings and Lord of lords. There's no one like you in heaven or on earth. We lift up our hands, our hearts to you. Daddy, let this worship song be more than lyrics and melodies and harmonies. Let it be the cry of our heart today. God, turn it around. Turn our lives around. Turn our despair around. Turn our country around. Turn our uh, communities around, Lord God. Turn my relationships around. Turn this sickness into healing. Turn this depression into joy. Turn this addiction into freedom in the name of Jesus. Turn it around. Turn it around. Turn it around because you bought it on the cross and by your stripes, we are healed today. Not one weapon formed against us, your word says, can prosper. So we stand in that today. Come, my God, turn it around.
And we're going to praise you before it happens. We're going to praise you in the midst of it happens. And we're going to praise you after it happens because you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name, come on, church. And everybody said amen and amen. Can we give God one, just one clap of praise, Lord God? We love you this morning. You are worthy. Jesus, come and turn it around in our lives. Come on, church. Let's worship him together today. Hallelujah. Someone. 
today, God, that the plans of the enemy will not succeed. God, your word says that every weapon formed against us shall not prosper today, God. So we pray that when we cannot see you, God, when we cannot feel you or sense you, when the world has grown dark, God, still our faith will stand strong, God. Still we stand in your light, God, for your light shines when all other darkness would consume it. God, we know that when we cannot see the path before us, that you are there blazing a trail, paving a way ahead, God, where there is no other way that we can make on our own, God. So, God, we clasp your hand in ours, God, and we will follow the light you have set on the path before us. Because even when I don't see it, you're working, and even when I don't feel it, you're working, you never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. And even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. And even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop waymaker, waymaker. Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Yes, you have been waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. That is who you are. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in my darkness. That is, Daddy, who you are. Jesus, it's who you are. You're not an idea, a philosophy, a, philosoph a philosopher. You, you are not a concept, uh, a construct, Lord God. You are not a crutch. You, you, you are not an ambulance. You, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You shatter the darkness of depression. You shatter the hopelessness, Lord, of despair. You and you alone are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You speak to sickness and tell it it must bow its knee, Lord God. Father, you speak to rebellion and tell the child who is lost to come home. You are the way maker. You are the promise maker and the promise keeper. There is no one like you. 
So Lord, no matter what we're facing today, Dad, no matter what we're going through, whether it be a loss of a job, a loss of a relationship, Lord God, whether it be a bad diagnosis or a bad bout of depression, whether it be a long-term addiction, Daddy, or a momentary backsliding, we know that your love, your grace, your mercy, your light can bring us home. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Father, the whole earth is filled with your glory. Let your kingdom come. Let your will, not our will, be done in this service, in our lives, in our families, in our workplace, in our community, Daddy. Your kingdom, your will, your kingdom, your will, your light, your love. Let it pour forth like never before. We trust you. You are our hope and you are our hope alone. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise because we know when we can't, you can. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. My God is still a miracle-working God, church. He's still a miracle. He is still a miracle-working God, not a philosophy. I'm not talking about a philosophy. I'm talking about a person. His name's Jesus. He is the breaker of chains. He is the shatterer of darkness. There's hope today. I hope that you know that today there's hope. And there's not hope in Kyle. There's not hope in this worship team. There's not hope in these cool seats or in these screens. There's no hope in any of that. The hope is what this is preaching, what this is presenting to the world. We do not serve a dead philosopher. We serve a living Savior. He's in the world today. His name's Jesus. So I invite you, I really invite you today, over the next hour, to press in. Lean into him. Lean in. Just lean in. Let your ear be open to something maybe that's different than you've ever heard before. To be willing to feel something maybe you were scared to feel before. To make a commitment maybe you were afraid to make before. He is the way maker the miracle worker, and he's the light in your darkness. Amen? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Hey, it is so good to have you in church today. I believe God has something powerful and special for you today. I really do. And he wants to introduce himself to you in a deeper way. And we would like to introduce ourselves to you in a deeper way because we're family at this church. And so if this is your first or second time here, thank you for coming and being our guest at Connect. It's so good to have you. We want to get a chance to know you a little bit more. So stop and say hey afterwards and just take a moment to, to say hello. And before we're seated, why don't you just turn to someone maybe you didn't come to church with, give them a fist pump or an air high five. Take a moment just to say hi, just to tell them it's good to see them. Tell them how good they look. It's a good looking church. Uh, well, I'm going to, we have a, we have so much going on today, um, but before we go any further in service today, I want to just 
wish pa uh, Pastor Kevin, uh, our, 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 our pastor of um, kids and family, Pastor Kevin McKinney, it's his birthday today. So we want to wish Kevin a happy birthday. He's actually ministering with the, uh, with, the, with the children and families today. But Kevin is awesome. If you don't know Kevin, truly one of the, the men that inspire me the most. 13 years ago, Kevin walked into this church on a Christmas Eve Eve service. And his life was completely changed. And I have had the, the privilege and the pleasure of watching him grow into a man of wisdom and honor, power, man. Kevin has such wisdom. When, when, we, when, we have, when we have our times together, he always comes out with stuff that blows me away. And he's funny as all get out. So, look, look, if you have children, they're in the right hands. If you are going to have children, they will be in the right hands. If you don't know Kevin, get a chance to know him. He has a phenomenal uh, men's sports group that meets on Tuesday nights as well. What, what an amazing man of God. I am, I am inspired and elevated by him all the time. So happy birthday, Kev. We love you. Matter of fact, it is, uh, he's actually, I know, with middle school because we relaunched middle school this morning. So uh, shout out to all of our, uh, our youth leaders and so thankful for who you guys are um, pouring into middle school. But today is also TKC Sunday. Um, and so you're going to see some of uh, people wearing these uh, green sweatshirts around. Um, and I want to bring up our director of operations just for a moment, uh, Miss Stephanie Gibson. Can you give her a hand as she's coming? Steph is awesome. Love her. She's doing a phenomenal job. You got the memo today. That's what I'm talking about. Totally got the memo. I feel like a fish in a fishbowl right now. All right. <laughs> cool. Come over here. Come on. I know. I know. It's always fun when you because when you get up here, you want to go to a side so that you feel less exposed. But we're gonna put you right in the middle. That's we're gonna fine. put you right in the middle. That's fine. Steph loves being in the middle. No. The, no, not really. No, no, she doesn't. <laughs> no. For some of you who may not know, TKC is Thy Kingdom Crumb. It is our uh, ministry that we do through food into our community via a food truck and also through um, family meal box distribution that we've had to kind of had to uh, make an in-flight adjustment with Steph during pandemic because not too many people come to a food truck in the middle of a pandemic. But we still kept feeding people um, and we kept bringing the good news to people. And matter of fact, for us, food is the means, but Jesus is the end. It's, it's really not just about feeding people. It's about uh, a way to introduce people to Jesus Christ. And so I know this year, even though we had to kind of switch it up and bring cars through and put boxes in the trunks, uh, we, we've seen 313 people make decisions for Jesus. 300, we've, we've fed over 20, uh, 25,000 people, right? Oh, 25,000 people were served, 313 salvations, amazing amounts of work are being done. And Steph, you, you came, you didn't always work for, on the team at TKC, you actually started by serving. So why, why, why did you get involved? So um, as soon as the world kind of shut down and everybody was stuck at home, probably like me going, okay, I've walked around my room, my house, <laughs> as many times as I possibly can, I was really like, all right, I don't want to just sit here and not do anything. Right. Um, and oddly enough, about a month and a half into lockdown, I joined Connect. And it was like, cool, so where can I serve? Because, you know, I grew up, with so many people in my life that their walk, their day was, how can I serve the Lord? So good. Where can I serve the Lord? So good. My words, what I'm doing, who I'm talking to, everything to them was, 
how can I serve the Lord? And it was not just how can I do it, but why? And they were always ready and willing to talk about Jesus. Um, I am not always the one who is ready to talk because I'm like behind the scenes and always want to just be doing. Absolutely. Um, But I really wanted to just plug in somewhere and I wanted to get out of my house. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good reason. Yeah. So, um, and I joined and Pastor Irene reached out to me. I jumped onto a Zoom call and I was like, hey everybody, I'm Stephanie, I'd really like to serve. And they were like, great, the only place to do that right now, TKC, and I was like, excellent. So, um, jumped in, showed up, and I think within the first 20 minutes, I was like, I feel like I've known these people my whole life. I'm never leaving, they're never gonna get rid of me, that's it. (laughs) So, here I am. (laughs) That's so so cool, I mean, it's, it's amazing how when you jump in, when you get, get past that kind of I'm, uh, uh, I'm tentative to jump in and you jump in, how things change so quickly. Yeah. Tell, me, tell me something, you know, it was, it, has there been an experience in serving uh, the community that has changed you or inspired you in, in a deeper way, Steph, with your, with your walk with God? So I would actually say that there's two. First and foremost, when I did show up, literally I parked, walked over, and the first person to say anything was Sharon, (laughs) Sharon Smith. She was probably a good 30 to 40 feet away from me, and she was like, hey! Like, all, like, and I was like, these are my people. Like, I can totally get down with this. And just, everybody was so nice, everybody was so welcoming, everybody was working hard, and I was like, okay, like, this is really great. And for me, it was just a blessing to see people just wanting to do, like, wanting to serve, wanting just to be hands and feet. Yeah. Um, so just for me, I was like, okay, like that. I was like, okay, I can, I can do this. I can, whatever you need me to do, even if I've never done it before. Beautiful. I'm willing to step to the plate and try. The second thing is that we have people who are constantly coming through the line. Um, and time and time again, I see people who are like, hey, how's so-and-so? How did this happen? I've been praying for this person. Yes. This person's doing well. So it's just nice to see like these, like, we're all a family, just like you said. Correct. And these people that, it's not just a meal, it's so much more than that. Absolutely. And I think that has been the biggest thing for me that every single week when I walk away, I'm just like, Lord, you're doing so much, more than what we can see, yes. more than just the tangible, like we put food into someone's heart and they're able to feed their family. There's so much more going on. And it's just, there's no words to actually let people know what that feels like and just to even see it. Like we've had people who have lost family members, but yep. they're like, I feel so much better just showing up here and seeing all of you guys smiling. You love Jesus. I know that you love me. And yes. that's really what we want. Yeah, I think, I think Steph, for me, that's one of the, the most amazing things is to see we have people that come back regularly because they need it, and then that we always have new people as well. But to see people of every walk of life, of every style of car, socioeconomic background, cultural background come through, um, and can I tell you one of the most amazing things for me is to see men who are willing to come um, because it's really hard for a man to say, I need help. And for them to come and put family first and to put the, 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 the life of their, their kids before their own pride, man, it's, it breaks me every time. Um, 
but to, to, to be able to be, a, it's a privilege, isn't it, to be able to, people who are regulars and come back and we're praying for them and they're, 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 they're giving us praise reports and it's great to hear, you know, Pastor Rick will have prayed with somebody and given them a book and they'll be like, I, I just gave my, that book to my nephew and they, they read it and they came to Jesus. It, it's amazing to be able to, be, to see God. It's not about building this church. It's about actually letting people know that there's a God who loves them right where they are. And so what a privilege it is. Last thing I'm going to ask you, Steph, is um, because we, you hopped in because you are a hopper-inner, right? But for all of those who, of us who may not be hopper-inners, right, my, Pastor Danielle's always like, I don't ever want to be seen. It, it kills her to be on stage. Like, she wants to be backstage. Um, you know, what would you say if, to people who are saying, man, how can I be involved, but I burn water? Like, I can't cook. Like, I can't cook. How do I, how can I be a part of this? So, um, I think we have a lot of different areas. Um, so, obviously, for those people who say, I burn water or I'm afraid of knives or anything like that, we have a head chef. Say hi, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. <laughs> She's um, awesome, by the way. She is great. And she literally will work with you. Like, we have, we've had people come into the kitchen who actually say, like, you know, I can go home now and I can actually like cook. Like I know like which knife to use. I know how to cut <laughs> things. So like we can work with you. We just need a willing heart. Yeah. Um, so outside of that, cause I know a lot of people for them, they yeah. hear the word kitchen and they're like, I have to, you know, have, you know, studied over in France and stuff. We don't, know. <laughs> um, but outside of that, we also have people who just greet. So if you're really great jumping up and down and waving a sign or even just smiling with your eyes, because obviously you can't right. smile with a mask. Um, you can do that. I mean, that's my favorite thing to do. When it's cold, you get to stay warm, and you know that's always a bonus because it's freezing right now. Absolutely, when we're out. We also, um, Pastor Rick leads our uh, team for you know people who, if you love to, if you love to talk about Jesus, if you love to share the gospel, if you like praying, that's your team. We have a prayer pit stop. We do. Yep. People can put box, like I, I put boxes in cars. Like yep. that's uh, it's, it's my favorite thing to do. Like I don't, you don't ever. I I just pick up a box. Put it in the trunk and say, love you. Bye. Right? It's just like, it, I know Melissa always says you can put, if you can pick up a pick bowl up a of salad and put it in a box, exactly. there's a spot. Yeah. Um, and so there, there's, a, there's a spot for anyone. If you want to know what this church is about, it's not just simply about a Sunday morning moment. It really is about shining love and light into a community um, who may never come to church. And it's okay. It's all right if they never come to church, but it's not okay if they never come to Jesus. Let me say that again, because that's the heartbeat. It's okay that they never come to this church, but it's not okay if they live their whole lives not coming to the love of Jesus Christ. We, can't, we can no longer in our country expect people to walk through those doors. It doesn't work like that, and it never has in the Northeast. We have to walk out of those doors and find different ways to walk into their life without any expectation and just say, here it is. Here's free meal. Whether you come to church ever or not, we want to let you know we love you, and so does Jesus. You don't have to do this life alone. You can do it together. Steph, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for organizing this. I know you guys will be out, out in the lobby if people want to, if you have questions. So can you give Steph a hand for everything she does? So good. We, we've got massive stuff getting ready to, to launch this year, increasing. Can I just say this as well about TKC? Look, um, with the pandemic, needs have increased and donations have become harder. Can we just have real talk for a moment? Have you tried to get chicken in your grocery store? Good luck with that. Try to get do chicken donated. 
when they can't get it into a grocery store. So people are still hungry, but donations are harder to receive. So I'm going to ask you as your pastor, if this is your house, would you consider partnering with us, not only with your hands and with your feet? It doesn't have to be every week, and it doesn't have to be all the time, but talk to someone about being involved in one way or another. But would you consider partnering with us financially? Even if you just give kind of once a month through the missions here at TKC, there's a, 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 um, a button there, and just be able to say, it's mission, it's TKC. We want to make a difference. But we can only make a difference with the amount of resource that we have. So we're asking you to pray about that and be a part of that with us. Amen? Thank you. Now, can you give everybody who serves at TKC a hand? I'm so thankful for all that they do. You'll get to know them over the, uh, over the time as well. Well, are you ready for the word today? Yeah. I'm ready for, I'm for the word. Jake, can you do me a favor? Jake, can you give me that uh, bowl? I forgot to bring it up uh, underneath my seat. Um, by the way, Jake is my son. He is the much better looking version of myself. If you can't tell, thank you so much, son. Hold on one second. I'm going to give you this lid back because look at this nice Pyrex bowl. Hallelujah. It forced me. I, had to, I needed a prop today, so I had to go out and get a Pyrex bowl. That's a shame, isn't it? I love to cook, so that is, uh, thanks, buddy. That's one of those things. Hey, I'm excited to bring you this word today. I really, really am. Um, I am believing, I believe every week that the word of God has the power to change us. If we are willing to be changed by it. Let me say that again. I believe every week that the, the word of God has the power to change us. If we are willing to be changed by it. And so can I encourage you today. Be not hearers of the word only. But be receivers of it. Open your heart and your mind to receive this. Uh, maybe at a different level. Well if you. Since you brought your Bible. And, uh, or have it on your Bible app or your iPhone. Can you open with me to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 7. Judges is the seventh book of the Old Testament, so kind of just go there in the beginning and look for it. Judges, the book of Judges, is all about God teaching his people how to live in the promised land. They've already been in the promised land. Joshua brings them in, right? They're living in there, but it's not easy because there's still enemies in the land. There's still battles to be fought. There's still uh, harvests that need to be planted. There, there's, there's still lives that need to change. Come on, how many of us know that living with Jesus is like that? Like, yeah, it's great. When you come to Jesus, you get into the promised land. But there's still battles to be fought. There's still harvest. There's still uh, fields that need to be sown. There's still harvests that need to be reaped. There's still issues that need to be dealt with. And so when we look at Judges, we see how God is dealing with those things. If you need a, a title for today, the title for my sermon today is Same Source, Different Stance. Same Source, Different Stance. You know, have you ever noticed uh, how people... Drink from a water fountain, right? I know, I know no one's drinking from a water fountain like during the pandemic, but do you remember back before the pandemic, maybe when you were in school or maybe when you went to the gym and everybody has a different stance when they get to the water fountain. They come to the water fountain, you have the, you have the straight leg people who just kind of bend over and get it when it's at the top, right? They're just kind of getting it at the top. Then you got the people who spread their legs real wide and get the head cock and get it on the way down. It's on the way down. Then you get those people who put their mouth on the spigot. No, no. No one wants to follow those people, right? The issue is that they all drank from the same source, but they received it with a different stance. And I think if we look at this, the, the, the truth is, I think when it comes to the things of God and how we 
receive them, it matters. When we, our stance on how we receive God, the things of God, it matters. When we come to God, when we come to the things of God, when we come to the house of God, when we come to a, a, a walk with God, is our stance self-centric or savior-centric? Am I, am I looking to be able to receive them based on my preferences? Well, I like to sing more. I like to do more. I like this is how I like it. Or am I coming with a stance to believe that God's word is going to conform me to his preference, not mine? Am I coming to God and to the, the words of God? And am I focusing on them to help me become a more blessed person or to become a stronger disciple? Do I receive them in order to calm my discomfort or so that I can stand in the midst of the battle? Because Gideon right here in this text, in this text, Gideon is readying himself to stand in the midst of the battle. And I believe in this time, in this day, in this age, in 2022, God is looking for a house. God is looking for men and women. God is looking for believers who are willing to stand in the midst of the battle. But how you stand matters. See, my friends, in this generation, we're standing in a battle. And it's not a battle of whether to wear a mask or not. Come on, somebody. That is, a, such, a, that is such a side issue battle. It is such a minutia moment to take a stand on. What we need to take a stand on is hopelessness. What we need to understand is that we are in the battle for people's lives, people's souls, people's eternities. We are in the battle to bring justice and hope and life and set people free from addiction and bring people out of depression and shatter generational curses and bring release from addiction and to bring people to Jesus Christ. There is a battle in our world to elevate our community, to bring light in the midst of a dark world. So how we come to God matters. The stance that we take when we receive from him matters. Is it about us? Or is it about us being prepared to stand in the battle? We're in the battle. The only question we have to answer is, what stance will we take? I'm not asking you for your political view. That's not the stance. When it comes to the word of God, where will I stand in it? When it comes to the truth in a generation, what side will I stand on? When it comes to understanding my mission in life and my purpose in life, is it the American dream I stand in? Or is it the kingdom call that I live for? We're in a battle. And where we stand matters. The Bible here in verses 5 through 7 we're just going to read these really quickly, but it says, When Gideon took his warriors, Midian, Midian, the enemy, was in the land. And Gideon was looking for warriors who would come against the enemy. It says, When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, Divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who, who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths to the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down uh, on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord said to Gideon, with these 300 men, 
I will rescue you and give you victory over the enemy, over the Midianites. Send all the others home. Right there, I would have stopped and been like, what? Excuse me? What did you just say? Come again? What are you talking about, God? The, the, the Bible in the last chapter, chapter 6, had just said that the Midianites, the enemies, were so numerous, they couldn't be counted. Right? They had ransacked the harvest. They had left the Israelites in lack, in nothing. And you want me to do what? Mm, how many times have we ever faced a moment where what God was asking us to do seemed impossible in the natural? But when it's impossible in the natural, it gives us uh, the ability to step out in faith for the supernatural. Yeah. It's interesting to me that Midian, who they were fighting, the enemy that they were fighting, and I think it's so prevalent for our time and our era today. The word Midian means strife and contention. How do we respond when strife seems to have the high ground? When it seems like strife and contention are ruling the day, when, when it seems like my harvest has been stolen, how do I respond? Be, be, because, let's be honest, in this time, in this day and age today, in the pandemic era that we're living in, strife and contention are ruling the day. Look around, strife and contention in everything, inside the house of God, outside the house of God, between believers and non-believers alike. There is strife and contention everywhere. So how we stand matters. The stance we take when we come to the source, when we come to the king matters. It'll make a difference. But before we even go any further into this text, I, I was wondering, and it's maybe a question we need to ask ourselves today. How do we respond? How are we with God when we are faced with dwindling returns? With dwindling returns. When we believe God's word, when we start to walk out God's word, when we start to live in faith, and we end up with less than what we started with, facing more than we ever had to before in our lives. How do we respond with dwindling returns? Gideon had believed God. Gideon had stepped out of faith. Gideon had started to walk. Do you remember the chapter before this? He, God had said, man, I, I'm sending you. I've got a plan for you. And from God's word, he began to change the way he saw himself. He overcame his sense of smallness. He, he overcame his fear. And he started to go with God. Now that sounds awesome. And he starts out with 32,000 men following Remember, they're fighting an enemy that's too numerous to count. He's got 32,000. He's like, well, all right, I'll give it a go with 32. All right. Then God says, yep, send 22,000 of them home because they're scared. They're done scared. Now send them home. Mm, oh, okay. All right, God, I still at least have 10,000. 10,000, it's a little, I'm not sure, but maybe I can do it. And then God says, yeah, i got a different plan for you. Send 9,700 of them home. Come again? <laughs> Dwindling returns. I wonder how he felt in that moment with such diminishing return on his faith. How do we feel 
when we've saved ourselves and tried to live in purity in our relationship, and the one then that we saved ourselves for breaks our heart, how do we respond with diminishing returns? How do we respond when, when we, we, we've decided to live with integrity in our marketplace and then we get let go? How do we respond when we've decided to set up healthy, godly boundaries in our friendships finally and we find ourselves sitting at home alone on a Friday night? How do we respond when our faith seems to be producing diminishing returns in the real world? Is our temptation to change our stance, to question God's goodness, to maybe back it off some? Or to be like Gideon and push all our chips into the middle and go all in? To go all in. Because I know we all love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and it's such a cornerstone verse. It's such a foundational verse for all of us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge God, and he will direct our paths. But is our trust challenged when the return on that trust seems to be dwindling in the real world? It's easy to be able to quote that verse, but when we stepped out on that verse and that trust hasn't produced what we thought that faith would produce, how do we respond? We've got to ask ourselves that in this world today because look around you. Look at your lives. Look at the world. It seems to be in a state of dwindling returns. And as the labor pains of Jesus' return approaches and things get more difficult, will our trust be challenged when what we're hoping for has dwindling returns in the real world? See, my friends, like Gideon, Gideon, like us, had to decide why he was doing what he was doing. Why am I following after God? Why am I trusting him? Why am I willing to step out of faith? Why? Why? And it begs us to ask the question. It begs us to ask the question, can I trust the God that was big enough to get me out of the wine press? Is he big enough to win the victory with this little thing I have in my hand? All I got is this little thing. Is God big enough to be able to win the victory with it? And maybe the deeper question is this, am I willing to give it to him? Because when it's out of my hands, I'm left with nothing. But when I hold on to nothing, I hold on to everything. It really is the real question of life. In our philosophy, we can talk about trusting God. In our theology, we can talk about how faith manifests things in reality. But when we're walking it out and we're standing in diminishing returns, or what seems like too little for us to overcome, will we really trust enough to give him the little that we have so that he can do what is seemingly impossible for us to do on our own? I think what's interesting to me is that all these men 
drank from the same stream. They all drank the same water. They all drank from the same source. Just as all of us do as people of faith. As people of faith, we've all come to the same source. The same source is Jesus. He is the only source. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to get to the Father. He's the only means of salvation in our world. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the King of Kings. His name is above every name. John 7, verse 37 tells us he's the provider of living water, that he actually pours the Holy Spirit into our life so that we can be changed. And the water in the Old Testament and the New always symbolizes the Holy Spirit. So he's willing to pour water into our lives. We've all come to the same source. We all drank from the same source. Then why is there a demarcation here? Why? I believe it's because God wants to show a picture between the difference between a believer and a disciple. A believer and a disciple. One of them is motivated by their needs. And so it overrides and it overrode healthy boundaries. A believer at times is so motivated by their need that it overrides healthy boundaries. Can we agree that the enemy was in the land? That they were vulnerable and they were in a, in a dangerous position. And 9,700 9, of them came to the source, put their face in the stream. <laughs> They are oblivious to everything and anything around them except for one thing. I've got to get from this source what I need to quench my thirst. And in this moment, they forget they're on a mission from God. In this moment, they're oblivious to the others around them, to the world around them, to the enemy around them. They just want to get from the source what they need from the source. And go on with their life. But the 300 kept in mind the enemy was in the land. And they walked in different boundaries. I think it's so easy, at least it is for me, to relate to this picture of a believer. Because I can become so thirsty in my heart and in my spirit and in my dreams and in my emotion that I can't think of anything else. I just want this thirst to be quenched. I just need my situation to be changed. And I think, my friends, if we're not careful, as men and women of God, we can be so easily run by our emotions. I just want to put my face in here and drink till I stop thirsting without any sense of the fact that we're on a mission. That the enemy is in the land. It's so easy when we're run by our emotions to set healthy boundaries aside. Just so we can get what we need. I was talking with one of the, uh, some of the guys in my group this week. And one of the guys was telling me about how he was eating dinner with his wife. And he went back. He was going back for seconds. And his wife said, hey, uh, if you don't go back for seconds which might be a little healthier for you, um, well, you'll have enough for tomorrow for lunch. And he said, I stopped and thought about it for a moment. And he said, mm, better me happy today and me upset tomorrow, come on somebody, than me upset today and happy tomorrow. And I'm thinking that's how we run our lives so often. Uh, 
What's going to make the me inside of me happy today? Regardless of what it means for my tomorrow. Solomon says in all of his wisdom in Proverbs 27, 20, hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of unrestrained man, unrestrained humanity, are never satisfied. The natural response to coming to God is wanting what we want, to putting our face in the water. But the 300 saw things differently. They came to the source knowing it would change them, but knowing also it wasn't about them. They were on a mission from God, and it came to what God provided. They used wisdom on how to handle it. They didn't throw caution to the wind. They didn't try to join in with the crowd. They didn't try to fit in with what everyone else was doing. They said, man, when I come to the source, I'm not going to forget there's an enemy in the land. I'm not going to forget that my nation is in need. I'm not going to forget that my community is hurting. I'm not going to forget that the person next to me needs an encounter with the love of God. I'm not going to forget it. And so how did they do it? They did it differently. They cupped their hands into the water and they brought it close to themselves. They stood ready while they drank. They understood the assignment. They understood the assignment. <laughs> that the provision was there for the battle, not simply to meet a personal need. See, my friends, both how we come to the source and what we do with what we receive from the source matters. When God brings us to these moments and he places the water in front of us, the answer to our issues, he's looking for us to honor it and steward it. To honor it and steward it. See, because how we honor and steward the resource is a true reflection of how we honor and steward the source. How you and I will honor and steward the resource that God gives us. Our time, our talents, our treasure, our dreams, our desires, our decisions. It's a true reflection of how we will honor and steward the source. Matter of fact, Jesus talks about it in this amazing parable in Matthew 21. He says that there's a landowner, he's talking about God the Father, who built a vineyard, built a wall around it to protect it, put a wine press in it so that it could prosper in it, and then gave it to the people to run. He went away. When it was time for them to return under him what it was meant to produce, when it came to harvest time, he sent messengers back to get what was due him. And you know what they did? They beat him up. They killed them. They beheaded them. Time and time again, they mishandled what came to them. Then he thinks, well, at least if they did this to the servants, they won't do it to my son. And they send his son and they kill him too. Because after all, they're saying, this is mine. This is mine. This is mine. I'm working hard for it. I've been in the dirt. I've been digging. This is where I live. It's mine. Now, of course, this parable is about God sending the prophets and then sending Jesus. But at the core of it, it's also a revealer of us. When I believe what God is sending to me is all mine, I will lack the honor. I will lack the moment to honor the source of my resource. I will give thanks for the resource, 
and mishonoring the source. It's the trap of modern Christianity. The trap of our nation and our time today, in our world, especially in the American church today, the trap is this. When, when Christianity has become about God blessing us rather than our honor of knowing the blesser, we will mishandle the resource and dishonor the source. See, it takes a different stance, my friends, to get a different result. It takes a different stance than what I'm comfortable with. It takes a different stance than my logic. It takes a different stance than my generational influence. It takes a different stance than what the modern world is telling me is right and wrong to get a different result. It takes a different stance. Oh, they all drank from the same source. But the different stance led to different results. The truth is that this picture of Water, water-cupped hands, wasn't foreign to these men. They were familiar with it because every day, all the time, when they would go to the temple, when they would go to the tabernacle, they would watch priests do it. After the priest would come in and go to the altar and be cleansed by the blood, they'd take the blood of the lamb and cleanse themselves with it. Before they could go into the holy place, to worship God before they could go in to do the work of the kingdom. They came to this place called the laver. They came to this bowl of water that was made out of, uh, that was set in a, uh, a dish of bronze, polished bronze. And they would have to dip their hands in it and bring it up. And they would wash their face and they'd wash their hands and they would wash their feet. And while they were doing it, they were able to look in to the polished mirror of that bowl and see themselves differently, see a deeper revelation of who they were. It wasn't just, it wasn't just about the sacrifice. It wasn't just about the blood. It wasn't just that they had been forgiven. It was that they were able now through the, through the water, through the Spirit of God, to go into the holy place to worship God at a different level, to get a deeper revelation of God than ever before. It was how they handled the water. Could you imagine if they just put their face in and... They weren't able then to go in. How they handled the source. The stance they took with the source enabled them to get a deeper revelation of the source. My friends, that's the heartbeat of God towards you. The heartbeat of God isn't just that we drink from the source. It's that we get a deeper revelation of who he is. Fall more in love with God. Not just about doing the right things and stop doing the wrong things. It's about truly dealing with God in such a way that the, how I stand reveals a deeper revelation of God to you and I. See, when it comes to battles we face, the times that the enemy is on the hillsides of our life and we seem to be in the valley times when we feel outnumbered and we're sta standing in dwindling returns there is a deeper level of revelation of himself God wants to give you there's a deeper level of revelation of himself that God wants to give you yup they all drank from the same water but not all of them know him knew him as the mighty warrior dressed for battle. Yeah. 
All of them drank from the, 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 the water and knew that he could quench their thirst. But not all of them knew that he could do the impossible and beat the overwhelming force by simply the light that came from their hand. See, all of them drank from the same source, but their stance produced different results. We have to have a different stance when it comes to the things of God, who God is, the, the, the word of God, so that we can have a different revelation of who God is in our life. He's literally wooing us into deeper intimacy moments. And a lot of times when we're facing the battles we face, it's not just to prove that he is the master over circumstance. It's so that you and I can have a different level of intimacy with him than ever before. There's this beautiful story in Luke 17 where 10 lepers come to Jesus. And these 10 lepers, they're, they, 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 the, 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 they have the skin disease, so they're outcasts. They can't go to worship God. They, they're outcasts from society. They're living in isolation, quarantine. So they come to Jesus, and he says, look, this is what I want you to do. On your way to the temple, go, just go. Go, and on the way to the temple, before you present yourself to the priest, you're going to be healed. So they believe in the word of God, and they start to go. And God does a miracle. On the way to the temple, the leprosy's healed. What an amazing moment. They all drank from the same source. But then, verse 19 happens. Then something else happens. Only one of them comes back to Jesus. The other nine got what they wanted and went home. But one of them realizes it wasn't about the miracle, it's about the miracle worker. It wasn't about the blessing, it was about the blesser. So he comes back overjoyed, falls down, and begins to worship Jesus. There's this new intimacy now that this moment had produced in his life. He didn't just get out of quarantine. He didn't just be able to have relationships with new friends. He didn't just have the ability to go back to work or come back to church. Everyone had that. But there was an opportunity to know the miracle worker better. There was an opportunity to have a deeper revelation, so he had to change his stance. Yeah. He comes back, he falls down at Jesus' feet. Jesus picks him up and says, boy, your faith has made you well. That word well means totally healed without scars. Yeah. Totally healed without scars. Amen. See, when they went, in order for them to be, claimed, to be proclaimed whole and healed, they had to show the priest, the scars, as proof that they were healed. That's why Jesus shows Thomas his scars, to show that he is healed. But this moment is even deeper. Jesus says, rise up. You're not only healed, you are made whole. Now there are no scars left. Some of us are just happy that there are no scars left. And that, 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 that we're healed. And we're still carrying around the scars. We're exchanging a moment of healing, come on somebody, for intimacy with the healer. We're missing the moment of deeper revelation with God because we are so caught up with what we can get from him that we lose the moment of getting to know him. A different stance produces a different result. A different stance produces a different revelation, a different level of intimacy. And I get it. I know sometimes we feel beat down by the dwindling returns. Like we've got spiritual exhaustion. Or our soul is so thirsty 
that we just want to end the pain and it doesn't really matter how the pain ends. I know during this pandemic, there's been times in my life where I've been just, I'm just tired. I'm exhausted. I don't even want to pick up the Bible. Oh, I know the answers are in there. And I know it's how he speaks to me. I'm just tired, God. Can't you just change it? You're a good God. Just change this thing. That's about my level of prayer life sometimes. Can I get a witness to anybody? God, I, I don't want to do anything. Can you just change it? Reminds me of this moment in Mark chapter 6 where Jesus is up on the mountaintop praying and he sends his disciples into the middle of the lake, into the middle of a storm. Jesus sent his disciples on a journey that he knew would end up in a storm. Jesus sent his disciples on a journey he knew would end in a storm. Wrap that around your theology for a moment. The disciples are in the middle of the storm all night. And they are so afraid that they're going to drown. That literally, they are grabbing the oars, and they are rowing, and they are rowing, and they are rowing, and they are rowing, till I can imagine there's blisters, and their hands are bleeding, and they're getting nowhere, and nothing is changing. Have you ever felt like you're in the middle of your walk, the middle of your journey, and you are bleeding out, your hands are blistered from trying, you are exhausted from doing the work, and nothing is changing? And in these moments, the problem or the challenge for us is that we, we tend to see things the way we are, not the way they really are. We begin to see things through weary eyes. We begin to see things through nothing's going to change. We begin to see things through hopelessness and hurt and pain rather than the promise of the living God. The Bible says in the moment, he, Jesus looks out and he sees them battered and broken and he begins to do something no one's ever seen before in this planet. He begins to supersede the laws of gravity, supersede the laws of nature, make sure that nature has no control over him and begins to walk on the wind and the waves as he approaches the men who are struggling thinking nothing's going to change. Here's the problem. When they see him coming, they are terrified because what they see is a ghost. Even when God comes near us, when we are in that kind of pain and hopelessness, many times what we see, we don't see it as it really is. We see it the way we really are. They begin to be terrified. But I love how Matthew writes about this moment in Matthew 14, 28. He says, but one of them gets some courage. One of them named Peter rises up and says, God, I'm not sure it's you. God, I don't really know how this is happening. I don't really understand. It's past my experience. It's, it's above my level of understanding. It's above my, my, the, the things I've experienced in my life to see something like this. But if it's you, tell me to walk on water and I'm coming. You know what it took? He had been hours seating in that, sitting in that seat, come on, 
pulling at the oar, pulling at the oars, pulling at the oars, trying and trying and trying and trying in his own ability to make a difference. Do you know what it took to get the miracle? He had to change his stance. He had to get up off the seat, let go of the oars, listen to the command of God, and do something that didn't make sense in the natural so that the supernatural had a place to work. God says, come. He gets up, changes his stance, steps out of the boat, and believe it or not, his foot hits solid ground. And he began to walk in a miracle he didn't know possible before. He began to walk in a breakthrough that the world said was impossible, that the men sitting in that boat said was impossible, that his experiences said was impossible. But my God, when you change your stance, it produces a different result. Come on, some of us today got to get on our seat. We got to let go of the oars. What's his word say? Let's get up and respond. It led him into a deeper intimacy with Jesus. You are my Lord and my God, he said. You and I, my friends, are more than conquerors. The same Jesus, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now is inside of you and I. You and I have been called to heal the sick and open the eyes of the blind and restore justice and elevate the oppressed. And it may not be done, come on, by how logic tells us. It may not be done by trying and trying and trying, but there's a breakthrough when we begin to change the stance we take on what God says and how we live it out. Because we get to know he's not a ghost. He's not ethereal thought. He's not a concept of a construct of my mind. He is the living word walking in the impossible and inviting you to do the same with him. We can all drink from the same source, but where we stand will make a difference. Ephesians 1.9, Paul's prayer is that you and I understand this immeasurable power that we have in God. There's an enemy in our land. We can't be blinded to it. And God is looking to see who is going to stand or who's going to lie down. Who is going to honor the water, the Holy Spirit that he placed inside of us, or just consume it for themselves? We've got to understand the assignment. We've got to understand we're living on mission. We have to understand we're being invited to a deeper revelation of intimacy with God himself. And it takes a different stance to get a different revelation. Sometimes I know these moments cause fear to rise up in us. I get it. I'm often afraid to step out in faith. It's natural. But then we have to be reminded that God loves us and that God is for us. 1 John 4.18 tells me that perfect love casts out the fear that's natural inside of me when I understand God loves me. This spring that they're at, and we're almost done today, but I want to encourage you with this because there's victory on the other side of this moment. The spring that they're at is called Harad. Harad means trembling, trembling, trembling. Did you notice that God was not upset that they came to a spring called trembling? He just wanted to see how they would respond when they got there. God is not afraid that you and I come to moments that make us afraid, that cause us to tremble. 
that caused our faith to shake. He just wants to see the stance we'll take when we get there. And just like these times in battle reveal a deeper revelation of God to you and I, these moments of trembling reveal a deeper moment of revelation of ourselves, who we really are. Not who we want people to believe we are, not who we proclaim to be, but who we really are. How you respond when your back is against the wall is really who you are. I was so inspired this week by a story that Stephanie Gibson, our director of TKC, wrote about, about a, a woman by the name of Molly Williams. Molly Williams in 1818 was enslaved by a merchant in New York City who was also a firefighter. And one night she was in the firehouse when there was a great blizzard outside. And a fire broke out downtown. And it happened to be during the influenza pandemic. This is not the only pandemic that's in our, our, our nation. The influenza pandemic that left most of the male firefighters in the city uh, unable to respond. But do you know what she did? She grabbed uh, pump engine number 11, began to take hold of it and pull it through the snow herself, brought it to the fire, and put it out. She didn't say, well, you know what? Not my problem. Not my people. Not my issue. I mean, after all, look at my circumstance. Look at my situation. Who am I? Why would they let me? What would they say if I did? She just grabbed a hold of the pump and said, I was born for this moment. I was made for this battle. I've come to this world for such a time as this to put out the fires that are in my community, to put out the fires that are in people's lives, to put out the fire of death and hopelessness and, and despair and addiction and generational curses. I was born for this moment. I don't care the circumstances that brought me here. I know the God that brought me here. By the way, she became the first uh, she became the first black woman firefighter in America, which is pretty cool. It takes a different stance to get different results. Yeah. I believe it is no mistake that God brought them to this spring. Because this spring is a spring where power is exchanged. Yeah. The Midianites were defeated at this spring. Power was exchanged. Saul loses his final battle here, and power is exchanged. When Saul dies, the rightful king David rises to power, and power is exchanged. This is a spring where kings are exchanged. Do you know what that means to you and I? God brings us to places where the kings in our life are exchanged. My will versus his will. Trusting in me versus trusting in him. Living in the king of logic or under the king of faith. Standing in my dysfunction or battling for my wholeness. Just getting from God what I need or understanding I've been blessed to be a blessing. Just having the fire put out in my life or being a part 
putting out the fire in others. God brings us to moments of trembling, of trial, of struggle, where what we have in our hand isn't enough. Oh, God, I feel like that so often. What I have isn't enough. And the question he's asking is, will I trust him with what I've got to do what I never could on my own? We could all come to the same source, but it takes a different stance to get a different result. My coach used to say, if you always do what you've always done, you will always get what you've always got. If you want to change your tomorrow, you need to change something today. Maybe you've come to church for 30 years of your life, but you are in the same rut you've always been in. It's not the source, it's the stance. Maybe you've heard about Christianity and Christ for so long, but you've dug your heels in because you're not willing to exchange kings at the moment. A different tomorrow requires a different today. Maybe you as a husband or as a man have been chasing the American dream and wondering why your family is struggling. It takes a different stance to produce a different result. Here's what I know. All of them, all of them, all of them, all their, the whole community experienced the benefit of the victory. But only a few of them got to say, I fought in the battle. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone experienced the victory. But only a few of them had the honor to say, man, but I stepped up and I stepped in. I pushed it all in, King. I didn't back down and back away. I didn't get on my belly and lap it up just for me. God, I took a stand. I didn't let the pandemic. I didn't let the blizzard. I didn't let the place of trembling keep me from the revelation from the intimacy, from the breakthrough, from the miracle worker. At this spring today, I may be scared, but I know that your perfect love will free me from it if I'm willing to exchange the king of my will with the king of kings. All in. I'm all in. I'm all in. Whether there's three people sitting in this room or 3,000, because we've had them all. I'm all in. I feel exhausted at times. I feel lonely and hurt and discouraged and broken. I understand diminishing returns. I know what it means to step out in faith and trust a God who in the short moment, I see diminishing returns in the real world. But church, I'm all in. Not for what I can get from him. But because who he is matters to me. How I honor and steward his resource 
is how I will truly honor and steward the source. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. I invite you to be all in. If I always do what I've always done, I will always get what I've always got. To change my tomorrow, I must change something in my relationship with him today. Can we pray really quickly? Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God. Friends, this whole message has been an invitation, and so I won't belabor the point today. I know that our soul wants to hang on to a much power and a much self-control and self-reliance as it can. But I believe without a shadow of a doubt, God brought you to the spring today, this place of uncertainty and trembling, this place of his love, of his word, where we can connect with the source at such a deeper level if we'll simply exchange our will for his. That's the invitation I have for you today. Not to come to church more, although I hope you do. But I'm asking you to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Not just to save you, to bring you into heaven, to forgive you, but to be the Lord and the King. To reveal himself deeper to you than ever before. Because that is our King's desire. To reveal himself and reveal himself and reveal who he is to you. And to fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love with him. The Bible simply says, if today I will repent, I'll turn away from the life I had and turn back towards him. If I'll ask him with my mouth to be the Lord and Savior of my life and believe in my heart, that's enough. That the cross and the resurrection is enough. Then today I'll be saved, I'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, I'll be put on a path to know him deeper and deeper and deeper. So today, my friends, that's my invitation. Whether you've done that, you've never done that before in your life, and today will be the first moment, or whether you've done that before, but today you find in your heart it's cold. You find your walk with God selfish. You find it distant. The Bible simply says to turn. And when I turn towards him, he runs to me. So we're all going to pray. But if that's something that you truly desire in your heart to do, can I encourage you to pray it from the bottom of your heart today? Just pray this with me. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I've come to give you my life. I'm changing my stance. I'm coming to you with everything I've got. I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I willingly exchange kingship. Forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Cleanse me with your water. And from this day forward and forevermore, I choose to live all in for you, for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. 
and amen and amen. Come on, church. Can we give people a hand who made that decision today in Jesus' name? Hallelujah. Woo! Thank you, Lord. You're worthy today. Oh, ha. When you change your stance, come on. Different stance, different results. I'm believing that for you today. That is not an empty prayer. Whether it's your first time or your thousandth time, can I encourage you? The gap between you and God has been closed. And we want to help you live that thing out. Pastor Rick's going to come and just uh, come to, 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 to encourage us in our worship of giving. But I want to introduce you to him. Come on up, Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick has written a book called The Surprise of Your Life and also Letters to a Gen Zer that explain that salvation is a gift and how to receive it and how to live it out and how what you've just done can actually be realized in your life. It's easy read. It is a brilliant read. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. We give it away at TKC all the time. It's in every box. I love to hear the stories of people giving the book away. If you're watching online and you made that decision, come on, just uh, send an email to prayer at theconnectchurch.com. The information is there on the screen. We'll send you a book for free as well. But if you made that choice today, come talk to Pastor Rick really quickly after service. Just take a moment. Say, man, Pastor Rick, I want you to know I'm all in. I'm all in with Jesus. I'm all in. Pastor Rick, thank you for loving people enough to write that book. It's so powerful. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Pascal. Thank you very much. I want to thank you, too, for giving us the essential preparation for the world that we live in today. You're not preaching easy words. <laughs> You're not tickling our ears. You're preparing us Thanks, for this world that we're living in to be Thanks, soldiers for Jesus Christ. Thanks. Ambassadors, we thank you for that. Thank you, thank you. Just want to that. We have an opportunity right now to honor our king and to uh, worship him. In keeping with the theme that Pastor Carl and Pastor Danielle have emphasized in these last many months, theme of holiness and a theme of moving us more from just being believers into deeper, deeper discipleship. That's what we want to do right now. This is an opportunity for you to change your stance in regards to your giving. You know, the book of Leviticus in the 27th chapter says that God says that the tithe, 10%, is holy and it belongs to him. He actually says in verse 8 that everything belongs to him, but his ask is 10%. And really, when you think about it, a believer attends church and a disciple invests in the church. And it's not some theoretical thing, it's personal. When you give into this house, you're investing in caring for me and my wife and my family and the people that are sitting next to you and across from this room. When I invest in this house, I'm caring and blessing and investing in you all. But it's, there's even more than that. When we give into the community of this house, this local church, we're blessing our community and the world. As far as Nepal with the Harrises, we're blessing them and bringing to the world joy, peace, love and eternal life it's the greatest cause in the world there's nothing even close and that's the why behind it as well 
as Jesus saying, do this and give back. And uh, we're going to be seeing this again this coming Saturday with TKC. It's a direct result of your giving. Yeah. 313 people this year, a direct result of your giving. Yeah. Well, listen, there's a lot of different ways to give, and they'll be listed up on our screen right now. That's a QR code. And let me tell you something. I looked that up, and that means quick response. All you have to do, all you have to do, it's, it's a barcode matrix. So uh, if you're not as technical as me, I'll just break it down for you. But uh, just point your phone, and that'll take you to a link to make giving online as easy as possible. I'm not that good at that. I'm just kidding. And if you're giving physically here today, there, there are kiosks at the, uh, the doors as you, as you exit. And there's a variety of different ways, as you can see, to give. But uh, your giving makes a difference. So let's, let me, let's, let me, let's, let's pray right now and change our stance, honor our king. This is a holy moment. And we just thank you for what this is going to bring about. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that the word is preached here. We thank you for the generous congregation that we have here, Lord. And we thank you that you're moving us into deeper discipleship and their deeper calling and, and in a way to let us and help us get to know you better. We ask that you bless this offering right now, Lord, and motivate those who are moving into that new stance of tithing. We thank you and we praise you for the wonderful things that are going to be accomplished as a result of this. This is your way of growing the kingdom of God and you want to participate in it now. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, can you guys give Pastor Rick a hand? We love so brilliant. You know, Pastor Rick is, uh, he runs our community engagement on uh, TKC. And that's a, just a fancy word to be able to say how we share the gospel with people. And over the next little bit, uh, Pastor Rick's going to be sharing and teaching on how to share your faith with people. Because it's, I, one of the reasons we don't is because we're, a, we're at that place of trembling. <laughs> and it's okay. But when we take a different stance, we get a different result. It's not simply about inviting people to church, but I hope you do. It's about investing them, investing Jesus into their life and inviting them to know the King. Well, why don't you guys stay with me really quick? I want to pray over you as we go. Thank you for letting me share this message today. I appreciate what Pastor Rick said. Danielle and I's goal in life and here at this church is to help you live a holy, healthy life with God while living in this real world to worship a real God in a real way in a real world. Sometimes I preach these messages and I'm like, oh man. But then I go, but you know what's real God? Man, this is real world. We're in a real battle. And the King of Kings is coming. Hell is hot and life is short. Come on. Hell is hot and life is short. I'm not, I'm not hoping for a better community. I'm hoping for a community that knows Jesus loves Jesus and is changed by Jesus.
And I believe that community is right here. So let me pray over you. Father, we love you. Woo! Daddy, we love you. I thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us, Lord God. That you are faithful even when we're faithless, Lord. That you are our rock and our refuge in the midst of the storm. That when we are exhausted and our hands are blistered, Lord God, and they're bleeding from pulling at the oars, you see and come to us. You are not afraid of where we are, but you seek after us with all you have. So God, I pray today that each and every one of us in this room and those watching online today, that we may look for you and look to you, surrender our hearts and our lives to you. We bless you. We praise you in advance for the revelation, for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, for, for the miracles, for the signs, the wonders, the breakthroughs, the healings that are on their way because of your love for us. And I pray now, Lord God, that you may shine your face on each person. That you continue to order their footsteps as you order the footsteps of the righteous. That you build that wall of protection around them and encamp them strongly resting in the palm of your hand. May your grace go with them, your spirit go before them, and your love be the path that they walk upon. We love you and we praise you and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Church, I love you so much. God bless you. Hey, go check out TKC. They're, they're out there. They'll love to answer any questions you got. And I'll see you next week right here at Connect. Love you.